You suck, Chris. Hello! Welcome back to Barely Educated. We are on episode 13 now, which is hard to believe. Cranking them out during the Bears off season. We're going to talk a little baseball, a little hockey. Whoa, not sure I'm qualified for that. And then we'll get back to what we do best, which is Justin Fields podcast. I am joined as always by my co-host, Chris. Chris, how are you doing? Doing well, my friend. Doing well. Here's how you talk. When you talk about hockey, just say organization. And then okay. that shows you know what you're talking about. And maybe we hockey. could do some Canadian accents in that segment. Be out and about. Yeah. Yeah, out and about with our hockey takes. All right. Don't <laughs> forget to follow us, though, on Twitter at barely underscore educated. Same tag will get you our buy me a coffee. And we would love to hear from you on any of those platforms. Chris, it's 9 a.m. on Saturday. I want the listeners to know Chris is not a morning person. So I appreciate him <laughs> two weeks running doing this early on a Saturday. I think this is one of the cardinal sins for uh, Chris's friendship. So I'm going to have to <laughs> do some redeeming of myself in later weeks. But my parents are still in town, so it's easier to do this this way. You have several cardinal sins, my friend. Oh, but the cardinal sin is the cardinal sin. Hey, uh, hey yes. That's what <laughs> the people are here for. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> for the pod, for the dad jokes and the dad bods and the the dad oh, jokes again. Yep. Definitely got the dad so, bod covered, yeah. Mm. Yep, yeah, both of us. So this week was the uh, the incredible event that is the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. Yeah, I hear those crickets as well. <laughs> Home and Derby was fun. The game. I just don't care about the game anymore at all. Do you? No, not at all. In fact, uh, I got a little quote here. Can I read you a little quote here from the... Uh, the network yeah. known as the East Eastern Sports Network or whatever that. Uh, yes, I know them. I don't might, watch them anymore. Might be catching on. Well, apparently, uh, Mike and Mike is no longer a thing, and there's a new co-host with one of the Mikes. Anyway, his name is uh, Paul Hembakitis. I believe that's how you say it. Actually, I have no idea. I've <laughs> never heard of it, that person. Okay. Yeah. This is how good I am at ignoring ESPN now. 15 yeah. years clean. Well, <laughs> <laughs> he's totally interrupted the train of thought. That's awesome. Hi, my name is Mark, and I'm a former <laughs> ESPN. All right. So uh, he was asked by. Years, I almost relapsed this week. <laughs> no, not to mock nice. addiction, but if you're not free from ESPN, please, we implore you, get online, find the good stuff, and quit using ESPN for all your sports. Yes. They should not have a monopoly on your sports viewing. Yeah. And uh, anyway, just for, your quote. I found this, uh, this was on my Twitter feed. I was not watching. So anyway, but uh, Mike Greenberg asked him about uh, how he felt about baseball players opting out of the All-Star game. And here was his response. I'm not willing to give them a pass. When I first started reading these stories over the weekend of all the players opting out, it boiled my blood, and I'm still not over it. I'm still not over it. When did the players decide to stop caring about the fans as much as the fans care about them? 
you often say, why should I care about the games if you don't yourself when you're talking about NBA uh, load management, I think is what he said. And that's how I feel about this. We take this game we have, Greeny, for granted, but it was built on the backs of Giants. I've talked to Cal Ripken before about how he would stay past midnight at Camden Yards after the players' strike and sign autographs until he couldn't sign them anymore. Roberto Clemente, every waking moment of his life, it seemed, was doing whatever he could to build the game of baseball in Latin America. In 1927, Babe Ruth played 207 games, including all the exhibitions in his barnstorming tours, plus a regular season. Baseball is now a $10 billion behemoth, but baseball fundamentally is something of a grassroots success story. And behind every story, behind every fan like me, is a catch with your dad in the backyard and learning of your favorite player and seeing that player. For me, that player was Cal Ripken Jr. This is a game, Greeny, that provides players the opportunity for generational wealth. All I'm asking is to pay it forward. I'm not asking Jacob DeGrom to stay till midnight and sign autographs or to fly medical supplies to Nicaragua or to go play barnstorming tours from Biloxi to Dubuque or wherever. I'm just asking you to play in the freaking all-star game that the fans elected you to. They're the only ones that matter, so pay it forward. That is a hot take. <laughs> yes. Um, should we put our PhD caps on? We can do the educated part because I, I could break this down. In a... Please do. Please do. Please. Do. All right. Well, the technical term for the biggest problem that he's making in that statement is he's equivocating all these things as if they're all, you know, the same issue. Mm -hmm. So like all the Roberto Clemente stuff. Yeah. What a what a champion of baseball. What a guy. I mean, there's a reason we have character awards named after him. Mm -hmm. And then going back to the you know 1927 stuff, like someone opting to sit out the All-Star game, he's assuming that they're doing that out of purely selfish reasons or that the only reason they did it is they're too good for it, it sounds like. Right? Most of the people that opted out have an injury concern. And after the COVID season, pitchers especially are dropping like flies this year, mm. leading to the second mistake he makes, which is he's sort of taking the whole, the whole decision in 2021 out of its context. And the context of most of the players opting out right now is wear and tear after a short season and, you know, the, the, everybody's still kind of recovering athletically mm -hmm. from that. So I think he's probably being a little too harsh there. I love this stuff about the, you know, the dad and the son and the way baseball has this sort of grassroots thing. That stuff's great, but I don't think it has a whole lot to do with the all-star game back to the false equivocation. That makes sense? Yeah, it seemed like it was like a hodgepodge of of uh, arguments and, and that made me wonder is is this like a real thing for him or is this just manufactured i need to find a story to uh to you know get people talking you know what i mean like is did that really upset him or is he just trying to create a story a yeah you know i don't know the other the other really bad equivocation there is the idea that the magic of baseball is a grassroots movement and the things that we all love about the game are so intricately tied to the all-star game that it's the all-star game that we must keep <laughs> sacred. Right. I don't know, man. I Did you actually talk to anybody about the all-star game? Because I no. didn't. I talked to several people about the home run derby. Hmm. Yeah. I don't think fans care about the all-star game. If, if Jacob deGrom and Yadier Molina sit out the NLCS because by some miracle the Cardinals are there, 
or they miss a World Series start because they have a boo-boo or something. Fine, that's a big deal. But the mm-hmm. All-Star game is still ultimately an exhibition. Right. And there's still tons of stars. The stars are having fun. The young stars are like super exciting to watch. Like by the player talent, baseball's in a great place. But the rules and the product on the field are still a mess. And so if you're going to be upset about anything, I'd say be upset about that killing the game. I just don't think the All-Star game is even a blip on my radar for problems with baseball. Do you? No, not at all. Not at all. And it's a very different thing than when we were growing up where uh, we talked about this last week a little bit. You can get highlights to every game instantly now. You know, mm-hmm. whereas in the 80s and maybe even the early 90s, it was, you know, we didn't see every player on every team. And especially years and years ago when the All-Star game started, this was your only chance to see um, players and stars from across mm-hmm. the league. And that's just not a thing anymore because of the technology that we have. So, right. um, yeah, so I, to me non-story and like why are you trying to make this a story that's how it came across to me so i was just wondering if that's um, yep yeah i agree non-story and again context is everything and your point there fits my point about context as well for example i haven't missed anything cool that shohei atani has done this year because i always find (laughs) it on twitter later but i haven't also have not watched a single live angels baseball game at 10 o'clock p.m right so like in the new context you, you don't worry so much about the all-star game live. You worry about catching cool clips of athletes doing awesome things. I don't know, maybe that's sad that we're here, but if, if, if there's anything that's a problem, maybe that's the problem. It short speaks to like the short attention span theater. Mm. But the idea that an injured player or a guy like DeGrom, who's been on the DL twice this year, mm. and Yachty, who's been on it at least the one time that I'm aware of, those guys saying, eh, it's not really worth the risk. Or like, I mean, maybe you want him there to sign stuff and you could say just at least attend. I guess I could see his point, but I thought otherwise it seemed a bit over the top. Agreed. Okay. Glad and the derby the was way better than the game this year. Hmm. Well, that's usually the case, isn't it? Anymore now, it, I feel yeah. like. Mm-hmm. I mean, AL always wins and it's kind of boring. AL um, does always win. We have to talk oh. about one other thing from the All-Star game and then on to the hockey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. Chris Bryant interviewed by your boy Joe Buck and asked about his free agent plans. I am not a Joe Buck hater, but that was a stone stupid thing to ask a guy live during a game. Like, come on, Joe, Mm -hmm. what are you doing? I actually like Joe Buck, but I thought that was brutal. That was his Cardinal fan colors coming out. Mm. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. um, Again, I didn't watch it in the game, (laughs) but I saw the uh, YouTube clips of it. Yeah. And, um, I thought, dang, man, this, you know, in the middle of the game, you know, the, a pitch is coming and you ask him a question like that. But I thought Brian handled it well. But Yeah, he did. Um, and then his dad, mad later, kind of <laughs> made it all yeah. full circle. I lied. I had one other All-Star game observation okay. you're going to love. <laughs> sure. And I wonder if you're going to relate to watching all these exciting young players and, you know, putzing around on the phone. I'm barely paying attention to the All-Star game at all. It's like up on a computer, right? I'm like really not watching it. When I see some people on Cardinals fans on the internet talking about it, and they're like, you know what this game makes painfully obvious? We don't have any of these exciting young players right now. And I'm like, oh, gosh, that's true. <laughs> you know, they're, they're like the 20 that are in the league. They're not on the Cardinals. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> happy Saturday morning. That's right. Yay. That makes me happy. So, anyway, hockey. 
Hockey, yeah, big hockey news. Big uh, hockey news for, for the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah. Um, a lot of people think that Duncan can. Uh, you know, full disclosure, I'm not a big hockey knowledgeable dude. You know, I am I, absolutely a fair weather hockey fan. <laughs> stamped on my driver's license. I, I liked playoff hockey when the Hawks were in it, and I don't mm-hmm. watch hockey pretty much otherwise. Just don't have time. You can't follow everything. Yeah, and I it, loved it, that era of playoff hockey. Mm-hmm. We well, it it didn't help too that when we were younger, the, uh, the Blackhawks yeah. didn't put their games on TV, so it was hard to. You couldn't even find it. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yes, uh, big uh, Duncan Keith, one of the key pieces of their uh, three championships, has been traded, and uh, a lot of people think that Duncan Keith may be the greatest hawk ever. And when I read that, I thought, oh, okay. I did I mean, too. And then the whole the key piece to the era kind of stuff. And I I just don't know enough about hockey, but I know enough about people and how we tend to analyze the moment in history, right? And I feel like that's some more presentism kind of coming in where we, we overdo the here and now. like Because Duncan Keith is the one who just got traded. Therefore, Duncan Keith is the greatest hawk ever. Hmm. If it's Patrick Kane, Patrick Kane is the greatest hawk ever. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I loved Duncan Keith. He was obviously a top three player on the greatest era of hockey in this, you know, Chicago's history. Right. And the second greatest era of sports in Chicago's history. Mm-hmm. After only the Jordan Bulls, obviously. So he's a big deal. He was an awesome player for a long time. And he is like a walking raging stereotype of the hockey player right like i love it <laughs> <He is. laughs> complete with the uh i think it was in the yeah in the first uh stanley cup playoff run they uh he, he got hit in the face with a puck and lost like six or seven teeth <laughs> yeah just perfect and doesn't, they, come, doesn't quit playing doesn't miss a game it's just mm-hmm. like he's hockey i would absolutely love to hang out with duncan keith he'd probably be as fun as anybody in any of the sports we follow to just like spend a lunch with or whatever. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, we're hoisting the cup. That's the way it goes. So no, that, what I said about the present thing is like no diss on him. It's just the way we process on our show. We talk a lot about like how we consume sports media. And I thought that was kind of an interesting, probably a tiny bit exaggerated take that I was seeing, but still awesome player. And then I, did you also see people saying shame on the Blackhawks, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, do you, yeah. do you know the backstory at all? I feel like we should address that. Yeah. Uh, correct me if I get something wrong here, but he, he's he got a little one at home and mm-hmm. he couldn't see him last year. He couldn't see his kid last year because COVID was really COVID. hard on him. Yeah. yeah. And the hockey, hockey was really in this bubble last year. Like they did a really good job of. Uh, and Canada is uh, much stricter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Um, this is like a good dad move asking to be, you know, traded to, you know, yeah, it's team not closer shame to home, on man. the Hawks. He asked to be traded, to be closer to his son. And of yeah. course, they're sort of in this weird rebuild. So it's, yeah, exactly. A normal in sports for a star veteran to kind of do that anyway. And the Hawks honor it. It is not a shame on the Hawks. There's that whole story that there is a shame on the Hawks thing that we're waiting to see how it plays out. But this Duncan Keith trade is not shame on the Hawks. Yeah, and he knew and they knew that uh, they're not winning a Stanley Cup with him on the roster anymore. So, so unless mm-hmm. they're playing the Hawks, go Oilers? 
Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The hockey people, the two people I follow, right? Like they, they like the trade for the Hawks. I don't mm-hmm. know anything about the players. So like, okay, great. But the, the Hawks getting an asset and a pick for a guy they probably shouldn't have on the roster by like, you know, the finances and where the team's at. It, it all made sense. Duncan Keith gets what he wanted too. Yeah. I've got a friend on Facebook and Twitter, one of those people that you're friends with, but you've never met, you know, but mm-hmm. <laughs> he's a big bears fan. He's Canadian and uh, he's an Oilers fan and he hates the trade <laughs> because uh, he didn't like who they, uh, who they, I don't even know who they gave up for, but apparently a young up and comer defenseman and he did not like it. So I thought, yeah, hmm, when I okay. saw that the guy was basically like Duncan Keith light, but younger, I was like, well, that's kind of perfect. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. let him grow while the rest of the team grows. By the time they contend again, let me. Another way you can look at this. This is sort of Dan Bernstein style. One of the things that I totally agree with him on. We pick on the score some on here, but he's always like, "Which players are on your next championship?" Right? Like he's always talking about that broad point. Mm-hmm. Is Duncan Keith on your next Blackhawks title contender? No, he's not. No, and he knew so that, and they knew that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, but is this guy that they picked up, whose name I can't even remember? right now because that's how much i follow hockey <laughs> but i know he's young enough he could be so there yeah that's mm-hmm. the, that's the yep. hockey, hockey hot take but good 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 on duncan keith for getting home to his kid we will uh always think fondly of him it's going to be one of those Absolutely. good partings like there's definitely no animosity Mm-mm. and we'll see if your baseball team can pull that off or if it's going to take some time oh boy yeah it did start the trades i did want to mention that yeah, Jock Peterson goes to Cardinal Atlanta. killer Jock Peterson. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but you know, that move to me, just to briefly tension here, that move to me doesn't say Cubs are rebuilding. That says um yeah, let's we're gonna retool this thing a bit. We're not gonna tear it down and start over. Well, the Darvish trade said we're rebuilding. That's a very good point. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, I saw where the, the Braves are going to give it a couple weeks and then might flip them at the deadline if they're still not making any ground on the Mets. Hmm. I was like, man, he's he's about to have a very busy summer if he's if that's wow. the case. Hmm. I did not, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's just speculation, of course. Did you see Patrick Wisdom hit another home run last night? Patrick Wisdom is still on fire. <laughs> he joins a long list of players the Cardinals gave up on too soon under John Mazalak in the last three or four years. It's pretty staggering. Two of them were all-stars, so that's fun. Hey, guys, I remember when we didn't give you a chance in our terrible outfield. Oh, you're almost leading the league in homers. I will now light myself on fire. Okay, so. Hey, can I, uh, I got I got a little thing here to wrap up the, the hockey and the ESPN stuff. You got to hurry because now you've got me baseball depressed and I need an injection of Justin Fields into my veins. All right, it's coming. It's coming. Okay, it's okay. Coming. But first, Mark Lazarus, uh, writer for The Athletic. Oh, yeah, yep. Uh, he tweeted this out the other night. He said, Patrick Kane apparently won the ESPY for best NHL player tonight. Related, apparently the ESPYs were tonight. Also, <laughs> also... Also, apparently, the ESPYs still exist. Uh, boy, are they ever off the radar. That's perfect, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know we joked about the ESPN thing already, but I've thought ESPN was on a downward slope. I'm not kidding, for 15 years. Like, that wasn't a joke. I, I barely ever consumed anything ESPN in that time because it was so over the top all the time, and it was all hype, and now they can't keep politics out of it, which I, there is a place for Athletes, yes. of course, should be feel free to do that. 
but whenever the programming is that all the time, it's like, I'm here for highlights and why wouldn't I just get them on Twitter? Mm -hmm. So the idea that they're even having the SPs was news to me. Like I completely resonate with that part of the tweet. <laughs> yeah, I loved that. That was, that was perfect. Good. All right, time to transition to what everyone came here for. Uh, the Bears. Justin Fields time. Ba, ba, ba. You need to make a song for that. <laughs> okay. Something inspiring. Ooh, uh, so this. two videos came out this week that I sent you. Yes. You gave you me homework. Homework. Yeah. I did do homework. Uh, the one was the, what was it called? The the rookie buildup, you know, like all the. Welcome the, to the NFL. Welcome rookie to the NFL. Or... Yeah. They do it every year. And Fields was one of the four alongside JC Horn kyle pitts and micah parsons and it's a fun watch we can tweet it out yeah. if we need to again um we'll link both these videos on our twitter of course here when we post the pod but and i'll put links in the show description too yeah definitely and then the other one was a brett coleman video brett is awesome he is my favorite youtuber breaking down the nfl he is fantastic you also have to watch his tevin jenkins video which i sent you a long time ago ah. he does this whole thing at the beginning where it's set to the jaws theme song <laughs> And it's just Tevin <laughs> Jenkins, Pancake and Fools. It's so good. Um, if you, if those two videos don't get you excited about the Bears draft, nothing will. And, man, I'm all here for it. What did you think of – I guess let's do the Road to the NFL first. You know, and, you know after we were just bashing ESPN, i got to say this was really well made. The, the, their uh... documentaries are great. <laughs> that is the one thing that is worth watching on there. Yeah. The 30 for 30 stuff is outstanding. But, but they also, this was also in collaboration with the NFL Network because they had a bunch of their talking heads in the mm. background too. So I don't think it was only ESPN. By the way, it would be all for more collaboration there. Mm. But anyway, continue. No, I, I, it was really well made and it really, um, really humanized the guys, you know, uh, watching it. A lot of times you know, we, you know, just look at athletes as pieces of, uh, you know, our team, you know, and forget that they have lives and that they've worked really hard. You know, does that make sense? What I'm saying? Like, you yeah, know, we, definitely. we root for laundry essentially, you know, like if you're wearing yeah, that I love jersey, seeing the, the human you. side of it, even mm -hmm. stuff like Mitch Trubisky getting married recently. Yeah. Who's in the wedding? Cody Whitehair. Oh, I didn't know that. Nice. Or, or as Wani, Cody, wait, Whitey oh, Coat Hair. Whitey Coat Hair. <laughs> Why do you cold hair? Oh. You'd give any, you'd have it for me. <laughs> um, you know, it's like, that's right. These are human beings. And, and I know it's corny, but seeing the, their journey, and even though it's obviously highly edited and they always make them all look good. I mean, they're not going to like make anybody look bad or show mm -hmm. them like, you know, failing a bench rep or something. It's still cool seeing all the work they put in and just like how much they devote to this. You know, obviously part of it is just physical ability and genetics and things like that. But these guys all put in a ton of work to get to where they're at. And then to have it all culminate on draft day, it's just a fun watch. And it makes you want to root for all of them, really. It really did. Yeah. Um, I didn't know that J.C. Horn was the son of Joe Horn, former uh, wide receiver, Saints wide receiver. And for the um, record, if you're listening to this podcast, Joe Horn can kick your butt still doesn't matter how old he is <laughs> he still looks like he could yeah he he's does. a tough man mm -hmm. that was a fun uh, career joe horn five-time mm -hmm. pro bowler yeah after coming out of the cfl that's right yes mm -hmm. and then his son goes top 10 so that's pretty cool 
Yeah. Um, yeah. What you said about rooting, you know, it makes you want to root for him. I, I felt that way also uh, with um, Micah Parsons. Uh, you know, he the star he, of the show. Let's be this, honest. Yeah, in terms he is. Of personality. Definitely he is. Personality. And you know, getting drafted by the Cowboys and how he always wanted, he dreamed of being on the Cowboys. I yeah, hate so he the makes Cowboys. Poor choices. Yeah, yeah, he does. I hate, forgive him. But that was still really cool, and seeing how emotional he got about it. Like, I mean, imagine was... being drafted by the Bears after you put in that much work. Like, that's that's the comp yeah. for us, really. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, he's a dad. But... You know, he's got to like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that whole angle. Um, so I'll tell you the number one thing that stood out to me in that that matters to Bears fans. Yes, Justin Fields is just all business i mean he had yeah. a couple little jokes with them and he had the one bet about the 40 yard but like you watch his reaction to the draft and he's like totally different mm-hmm. he is like very subdued like mm-hmm. everybody else is like excited and freaking out in every draft house or whatever and then justin fields is like all right let's go to work yeah time to get to work yeah <laughs> yeah and he didn't he didn't show any emotion visibly when he was getting, as he kept, you know, sliding down in numbers too. Like he didn't, uh, you know, he wasn't angry. Like, oh, what, am I up here? Where? It was but hilarious just, when uh, it was like Denver's on the clock and his phone rang and he's like, well, it's not them. They would have already called. Like called, he yeah. knew mm-hmm. the way it worked. He's like, nope. Mm-hmm. He's like, I know a lot of fans, you know, like you see it on this like radio circuit, like calling in saying he's not happy to be a bear in the days after the draft or you see it online. Some were worried that he didn't, that he was mad that he's a bear. It's more like he was mad that he fell, if mm-hmm. mad at all. Mm-hmm. But I also think he could just be like a football robot in the best sort of way, like a QB who doesn't get rattled, not too high, not too low. I think that could be a pretty awesome trait, yeah. actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He seemed to be just like the same level, even keeled through everything. And then yeah. when he did do interviews, he, you can tell he's articulate and intelligent. And he doesn't sound like frankly, like Mitch did, where you're like, what? <laughs> as much as we wanted to believe. Like, some of the early signs were there in the Mitch press conferences where... No, I yeah, I, I think no. of that, too. Like, I willingly chose to ignore some warning signs. Yeah. Yes, we sure all did. And I think the only warning sign I have with Fields would be um, just the, the concern about, like, the hits that he takes, like, which is, of course, kind of famous for the Clemson game where he still played. Mm-hmm. But in the NFL, that's going to cut short a couple seasons if we don't do a little better job. But that spin move probably needs to be retired at the yeah. NFL level. You know, like stuff like that are really my only concerns the more I think about it. Yeah, it's it's great to know that he can tuck and run, but I hope it's not a, uh, you know, a consistent part of the playbook. Not in the yeah. NFL, you know. Yeah. That's a great transition to the other video. Oh, all right. Brett Coleman video. Please go watch it. It's awesome. He breaks down what was wrong with the Bears offense under Trubisky and Foles. Different problems, but Mm -hmm. very much irrecoverable. I'll get back to that. And then he goes into why Folds Folds, Fields (laughs) Fields can be the fix for that. So we all know the problem with Mitch, right? What was Mitch's problem? Couldn't read defense. Couldn't read a defense and oh, accuracy, deep ball, especially 18 yeah, percent on throws over 20 18, yards last 18%. year. My gosh, oh, Mitchie, Mitchie. we'd like to pause so that all the audience can swear and rage if they'd like. 
All right. I hope that felt better. No, that's that's unspeakably bad. This is why Nagy's hard to evaluate because you can't function in the modern NFL with a QB that can't do that. So he goes to Foles. And Coleman did a great job breaking down why the Falcons interception was so brutal, why you'd take out a, a, a quarterback who hadn't actually lost yet on this season mm-hmm. because that was such a basic – basic what was it like cover one shell nothing hard for a pro Mm -hmm. quarterback to read and he just panicked and threw it right to the guy yeah because they gave him a different look up front but they ultimately ended up in a very standard vanilla coverage yeah and so that's like you're done you know that that's why Nagy did what he did which i did think was a freak out from Nagy at the time but Mm -hmm. um and then Foles comes in because presumably a better deep ball though that didn't actually transpire enough to matter and his limit of course was what uh, and he couldn't move. Couldn't move at all. And the video is fantastic at breaking down just how important the QB's threat to run is for David Montgomery in the run game. Mm-hmm. Several plays where he's like, Mitch has this right here, which makes this defender. There's one with um, J.J. Watt where he's like, yeah. he's got to honor this, and now he can't crash down, and now there's a lane for Montgomery. Bowles is in, you have none of that. Mm-hmm. When Mitch is in, you have no respect for the deep passing game. And so they're both basically broken NFL quarterbacks mm-hmm. that will mm-hmm. run an offense that doesn't work. And Justin Fields, his traits fix both. Yeah. Praise mm-hmm. the Lord. That, <laughs> like, that, oh, that's so good. He's right. Totally right. That was the name of his video too. Justin yeah. Fields is already fixing the Bears problems. That's the name of yeah. Brett's video. <laughs> I left yeah. it more convinced than ever that it, Fields will see the field. Sooner than the Bears are saying, I think he's got a chance to play in the first month. I definitely think by the bye he's starting, if not maybe even like the Lions game in week four. So because when when we put all that into context, and I'll talk about Andy Dalton, where does he fit? Yeah, is he, he can move a little bit, right? He can move a little bit more than Foles. Of course, you and I can move better than Foles. Yeah, that doesn't really mean much. <laughs> So Andy Dalton is more Nick Foles than he is Justin Fields. Right. Yes. And the, the simple truth is this probably won't work great with Andy Dalton, but it might work a little better. And then Fields is going to be doing his thing and impressing people and being like he is really good with the traits yeah. that he has, and they're not going to be able to resist at some point. <clears throat> you know, it's going to be interesting to see uh, if a certain quarterback on another team in the division – ends up not being around the bears could kind of stumble through the first few games of the season make a quarterback switch and still have a good shot at winning the division yeah if that you know if, if that if yeah. fields turns out to be speaking know. of rogers i have a tweet to share real quick oh, <clears throat> i was yes, gonna do it at the end do. but we're here it's our guy max markham sent to me max. by buddy brian it's big cat at barstool Right, that guy's got a huge following. Retweeting Max and saying, "I like this Max guy." Max ah. is blowing up. Yeah, Max. And Max is replying to Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> he says, "Hey, Aaron, lifelong Packer fan here. I think the only <laughs> quote amazing hashtag thing would be is if you didn't show up to training camp. We made our decision. We've moved on, and we're ready for our third straight Hall of Fame QB." And he's got a <laughs> picture of Blake Bortles with the other Packer stars. Nice. And then when he saw Big Cat retweeted it, he goes, Big Cat's going to go and make me change my cover pick for the first time in three years. <laughs> nice. Yeah, Max. 
getting it out getting there. more publicity um mm-hmm. but yeah rogers is uh still a wall like who knows i guess we'll find out in a few weeks but that whole thing but you're right if there's no rogers in green bay the division is now up for grabs yeah between the three teams probably down to two yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would hope. Gosh, I'd be to... so upset if they just don't. If if love is good, you got to check on me a lot. He's not good. He's not good. He's not. We know <laughs> anyway. that because they said nothing about so, him. So the both the videos are terrific. We definitely think you should watch them. Um, nah. And then I got one other Fields thing for you. Please stick this it in my veins. From, this is from Yahoo Sports. I found it on Reddit. I don't go to Yahoo Sports, please. <laughs> don't un, you know subscribe from the podcast. But this is a this is a, a an interesting read. It's by uh, hang on, Jory Epstein. Yep. And it's about Justin Fields' mental aptitude. I'm going to read certain um, sections to you. It's kind of like going to overlap a little bit with what we did last week. But this is just so important that we get this out there. To to me, it's important anyway. Fields' intellect, and more specifically, a keen memory with a knack for processing uh, again, mm. praise the Lord. <laughs> processing play calls should excite Chicago's offensive staff, the members of Barely Educated, Avery says. He rebuked <laughs> any remnants of a pre-draft narrative questioning Fields' demonstrated proficiency in processing. Avery is the doctor who did the big test with like 387 mm-hmm. players. Um, Quincy Avery is his name. His ability, this is quoting Avery now, to transpose things and flip them in his mind, like the mental rotation, not a lot of people have that. That's going to give his coaches a distinct advantage as they expand the playbook. I'm sorry, Quincy Avery is his private QB coach, not the the doctor, sorry. Um, But anyway, he's familiar with all this and has worked with Fields since he was like in ninth grade. If someone says he can't grasp the offense, that's probably one of the most false things I've ever heard about Justin his memory, and it's not just me saying that. We've tested those things, and Justin's memory is off the charts. The assertion, sports psychologist Scott Goldman says, is not grossly hyper- hyperbolic. Fields was one of 387 NFL prospects this year who took the athletic intelligence quotient test that Goldman co-created. So now we're to the doctor who made the test, mm. the psychologist. The test's aim, capture a player's intellectual capacity in areas including learning, efficiency, visual spatial processing decision making and reaction time in the 16 question learning efficiency section think of this as like 16 paired concepts athletes have to absorb and reiterate just like a playbook and a coverage that they have to analyze on game day and then know next time they call a play oh wait what coverage should i expect kind of that kind of stuff field identified all 16 responses correctly hmm of 125 pro QBs who have tested in the last decade, only four hit on all 16. Oh, there's your takeaway, which he's not going to uh, divulge who it is. I was going to say, does he say who they are? <laughs> not that I'm aware of. Maybe somewhere else. His result, Fultz, Goldman said, Fields' result marks an outlier among 6,500 total pro athletes whose ability to download and recall he has gauged. Quote, it happens less than 1% of the time. It's super rare. What it means is we actually didn't capture his ceiling. We don't know, given that he got 16 out of 16 right. If he could have gotten 20 out of 20, 25, 30. Analytical tools tend to be descriptive, not predictive. So that's important to keep in mind. Like this doesn't yep. make him a Hall of Famer. But the descriptor of Fields' ability to process should aid his transition into the NFL. And the bottom line is... 
this idea that he can't process, go through his reads. What He's historically intelligent for an athlete. That's what this was saying. Impressive. That is just not a concern. And considering that this has been one of the problems for Bears quarterbacks over the years, even Jay Cutler, who had almost all the other traits, mm-hmm. he was intelligent, but he couldn't quickly process the coverages. That's why he threw so many picks. And maybe a bit too much confidence in his arm, right? Tight window uh, throws he shouldn't have done, but poor decisions. I think that's the biggest Even thing, Jay you know? could have used some of this skill set. The mental aptitude for Fields is off the charts. And I'll tell you, until he was drafted by the Bears and the buildup to the draft, too, I guess a little bit you saw it. I had no idea because the media is just sitting there spouting false narratives like crazy. But when you actually dive deep into the people who do the tests, they're like, uh, his recall is special. Yeah, so where is someone like Chris Sims getting this uh, idea know. that he's one read and then that's it? Like, where, what is that based on? You know, and I'm asking you this rhetorically. I'm not saying, Mark, yeah, give I me guess. the answer. I need to know right now. But it, it's just manufactured. It's manufactured. Well, it's like Coleman and said why? in the video, you know, give a crap about your job enough to watch more than 20 minutes of film or whatever. <laughs> that's what I, that's the sense I get with some of these guys is they didn't actually do their homework. And I want to end with the quote from his coach, the QB coach, guru guy, Quincy mm-hmm. Avery. He's like a silent competitor. He's not going to say much. Well, we just talked about the, his reaction to the draft, right? But he's trying to take your throat out. <laughs> I kind of like that. He is. I like the silent nice. assassin type of idea. Just. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and, and again, not to always do this because I know it stinks and we're all sick of it, but like we just don't get this kind of hype from bears QBs. When, I mean, even when Cutler was traded for, it was like, well, they don't have enough help. And I gave up too much and he's a jerk. And why is Denver getting rid of, there were some red flags, especially mm-hmm. the wise Denver getting rid of him. And yeah, McDaniels and yeah, whatever. McDaniels. With Mitch, it was too raw. They trade up. They, we all know everything. Everybody hated too mm-hmm. much of that ended up being accurate. Unfortunately. Certainly. So with fields, it's like the actual people who do their homework the actual analysis tells us to be excited. It's not just fan emotionalism. There's data here. It may not work. You never know. But there's a ton of data that says this guy has got special written all over him. In the, uh, in the documentary, I think it was Kyle Pitts who said Justin Fields is the best quarterback in the draft. And I thought, Ooh, that's sometimes knows talent, right? Exactly. Especially like Pitts is just a, Oh, highest drafted quarter uh, tight end ever yeah i still can't get over the fact that justin fields fell to 11 due to a couple false narratives that we've talked about plenty mm-hmm. and if the draft had been late january early february he goes number two right probably doesn't push lawrence out of number one because the hype was so high mm-hmm. he's definitely number two and the bears get him at 11 it's remarkable and check out max markham's uh tweet thread on this it's pinned oh yeah fantastic we talked about it of course with him too but check it out it's pinned final point for me happy retirement ted ginn jr thank you for that one catch against the falcons (laughs) which got us into the playoffs and then somehow now we have justin Fields. so we're just gonna say you are somehow a part of that story yes thank you ted ginn yeah Someone, I've I, never seen a guy less interested in returning punts. That's really what I'm going to remember about Tim yeah. as a bear. Yeah, somebody said he had already retired as the Bears punt returner last year. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
exactly. <laughs> oh my goodness. Hey, uh, I got one last uh, thought on that uh, documentary. If okay, if you don't go mind. for it. One of my favorite parts was Fields stumbling when he did the forty. Yep. And still getting a four, four, four. <laughs> and the way he handled it, he's like, "Yeah, I can't do it. I'm not going to get a third try. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I stumbled. I lost the bet. It is what it is." He's yeah. like got the athlete stereotypes, but. Mm-hmm. But yeah. a four, four point four four, forty. After he had a little stumble, I, that that's remarkable. That, and like that stumble, fat. a normal human being is just like falls flat on their face in the first place and mm-hmm. still runs a four four. Yep. And you know that's that threat, right? That's again the Coleman video or the idea that hopefully he's not using it a ton. He is a right. pocket passer who okay. can run, not the other way around. A la like a Lamar Jackson who's going to run a lot. Um, but Fields does not do a great job avoiding hits. So the threat of speed opens up a lot, and he just needs to use it very selectively. Mm. And I think he's clearly smart enough to get that. Yeah. Also, there were, I said one more thing. Now here's really one more thing. We keep lying. It's <laughs> there okay. are a couple, we all the time. couple uh, from his throws that they showed in uh, one of his uh, workouts. Rolling to his left. Oh, that throw was amazing. And having yeah the the power and the accuracy on his throws there's only one quarterback i've seen do that and that was aaron Rodgers, my friend mahomes can do it he did it in the super bowl they just dropped it Uh, okay but yes i agree that either way i no i would not like field to turn out like either of those two (laughs) (laughs) i'll take the comp thank you very much as a right-handed quarter rolling to your left i mean that's that's hard when i saw that yeah. I saw that before the draft, you know, like I saw Nagy standing there with Kyle Shanahan at the next pro day and like all the videos about his pro days. I'm like, that throw is filthy. I hope he's a bear. That was my first thought. Like, <laughs> that's the kind of throw only a couple people can make. Zach Wilson made one really similar to it too, by the way. That's why everybody goes crazy for him, which is also funny because Justin yeah. Fields can do it too and right. also play better competition and also was more successful and was a big prospect forever, not just out of nowhere. I sat there and thought that should get him drafted number two, but it's not going to apparently. Well, I guess because Wilson Wilson didn't have a bad game against Indiana. Maybe that's no, just against <laughs> Central Florida, whoever Southern Florida, whoever it was. He had one. It was a terrible game. I don't get By it. By the way, Indiana and Northwestern defenses made a lot of people look bad this year. Mm. Northwestern. I'm representing my Northwestern T-shirt. People right. can't see, I see but. That. Uh, I am representing the Barely Educated podcast, in case anyone cares. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're the better host. Fine. No, it's just I'm I'm full on Barely Educated podcast inception or something here. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Thanks so much, everyone, for listening to episode 13 of Barely Educated. Find us on Twitter at Barely underscore Educated. Uh, we got a Facebook page, facebook.com slash barely educated. And check out our website where you can uh, join our honor roll for either $3 a month or $30 for a year. And we will send you a barely educated t shirt and get you some bonus content as soon as we got some of that up and running. And uh, yeah, please help spread the word. If you're on Twitter, follow us. We'll follow back. And uh, if you can retweet our episodes out, we'd greatly appreciate it. Thank you, Mark. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Have a great day. We'll talk to you next time on the Barely Educated Podcast. Next thing you know, we're hoisting the cup. That's the way it goes. 
Go Bears. Go Bears. I love the Bears.